as part of you know be, being a youth leader, I've had a, a pretty pretty cool experience and and heaps of opportunities to 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 share and to speak. I've I've spoken like half a dozen times at the Encounter Service and pretty much every week at a at, at youth I get a chance to speak. But this is my first time kind of speaking to you guys as a crowd. And so in my conversation with God, the short version is I was like, you know, what, maybe. Maybe maybe you and I, God, we should just do like a, a light-hearted one, you know, just do something that's really accessible, one that everyone will enjoy. And in short, his response was, no, no, we're not going to do that. So you've been pre-warned. This message is actually kind of heavy. But um, the place that's coming from is is 100%. God loves you and I love you. and um, And the purpose of this is actually to to spur you on and to and to there, there is some hard truths in in what I want to say but it's the whole point of it is that is that once we get these out of the way you're not going to end up in a place of being discouraged or disillusioned um cool so my title for for this that I put up is the weight of the word and um I mostly chose that because it alliterated and sounded cool and I heard that was important. So um, I want to just kind of like actually describe a little bit about what I mean when I say the word, because we use a lot of like just Christian jargon, and and I've I found this especially with the the young people. Sometimes if you, you you say words that we hear all the time as Christians, and you go, but what does that actually mean? And they go, oh, I don't know. It's just in the Bible. So you're like, all right, so I want to actually explain what I mean when I'm talking about the word, because I'm going to use that a lot. So when I'm talking about the word, I am talking about the Bible and the word of God. And, um, and, and everyone gets that bit. But what I'm also talking about this morning when I say the word is, is beyond that as well. So it's not just the Bible, not just the gospel. But what I'm actually talking about is beyond that is every, everything that God has ever said to you personally outside of that as well. So every response you guys have had to prayer, every prophetic word that anyone has ever shared with you, and I'm talking about as well the actual, the, the, the calling of your life. So and what I mean when I say that is the, the, the personal conversation that you have had with God where he has asked you to, to do something, what he has asked you to do with your time here on earth. Alrighty, so I've got a little bit of a visual to try and... Um, help with with the points I'm going to make. And I thought about teeing someone up to come and help me, but then I thought that wouldn't be fun or funny. So, so Jacob, can you come give me give me a hand real quick? You feeling strong? Yeah, you're feeling strong. All right, you hold this. This, this is the Bible, so this is the Word. Is that heavy? Not really. Not really. All righty, good. That's exactly the answer I wanted you to give. Cool. So from this point onward, the whole time I'm speaking, I want you to just hold that out in front of you, straight out, about a little bit higher. Yeah, right there. Just for everyone to see so that everyone can see the word. And that's the way I'm asking you to carry that. All right. You good? You still feeling strong? All right. No worries. So I'm just going to take my time from now on. Now, I want to share with you, start off with a bit of a testimony. So, um, when I was kind of, kind of in high school, I did, I, I didn't go for an OP. I wasn't that kind of guy. Um, 
Uh, so I did, I did construction. I did a certificate one in general construction and a cert one in furnishings. And part of the construction, um, kind of program we did was you, uh, that was, was the idea to try and kind of, as you leave school, to just walk straight into a trade. And so as part of that, they made you choose three trades that you wanted to do. And they, they, they prepared you like, oh, you might not get your first one. So my first preference was, um, an electrical trade. My second preference was shop fitting, and my third preference was carpentry. And um, when I graduated high school, um, the opportunity that was put in front of me was to do a shop fitting apprenticeship. That was what I was offered, so I was like, yeah, sweet, let's go for that. And um, so, so, so I did that, and I got to the end of kind of my first year of my shop fitting apprenticeship, and got to that point, and was like, I really don't want to do this anymore. But I, I just kind of was already kind of too invested to pull out by then. So I did the other three years. I finished my trade and um, I kept going with that. But I was kind of like, in, in my conversation with God, I was like, I don't really want to do this. This isn't, I don't feel like I'm called to this. What are you doing here? Kind of deal. And um, about a year after I finished my trade, so I've been shop fitting for five years by this point, and um, I was presented with the opportunity to going to a mature age apprenticeship at my first preference, which was to do an electrical trade. And I'm about halfway through that now. Um, so as part of that, uh, of course, I had to, as an, as an apprentice, I had to drop back to apprentice wages, right? So there's all kinds of financial not funness that goes on with that. But at the beginning, I, I knew all that going in. I knew it was going to take work. I knew I was going to be a drop in finances. I knew all that kind of deal. And I thought, yeah, but this is it. I spoke with God about it. And God's like, yeah, no, this is where I want you to go. And I felt really good about it. And I've started doing this trade. I've got to be really careful right now because my boss is like right there. Um, you look really nice today. Um, but so I was doing that, and actually it is really good, and, and Jamie is an exceptional boss and all that kind of thing, and it is way more interesting than shop fitting, like electricity is wild, um, and it'll wake you up if you do the wrong thing. Um, but so I started doing this, but even though I know this is the path I'm supposed to be on, and I really enjoy it, and it's a fantastic trade to do, there are times when a bill or a series of bills come in and I have to sit down and go, how badly do I actually want this trade? You know, I reassess the decisions I've made that have kind of led me to this point. I'm like, if I was still shop feeding, I would not be in this financial situation right now. You know, I would not have to worry about all this because I would have this, this extra finance. It would be easier and I would be less stressed and I would be enjoying it more if I hadn't done this. Yeah, and so I have to sit down and have this conversation with God, be like, what am I actually doing? Do I actually have what it takes to get to the end of this? And um, and I've, every time so far, God and I have gotten to this point, like, no, no, you just need to keep going. It's going to be fine. You just need to keep going. And um, and I think that's actually like a, how are you going, man? <laughs> I totally forgot you were there. <laughs> Is that starting to get a little bit heavier? A little bit? All right, cool. I wish I had another. I should have got another one to put there. I didn't know. Oh, well. Anyway, back to what we're talking about. That's not how I asked you to carry it. 
That's actually really great for a point I want to make later, but we'll get around to that. It's got to be up there, everyone to see, right out in front of you. Fantastic. Um, and so I think this, this story I've just told you, my testimony I've just shared, actually does relate a lot to what it's like to be a person of faith, yeah? So that when we first come to know Jesus, the, the, the word we hear so much as we give our lives to Christ is freedom. See, I've been set free. This is so amazing. All this baggage I had is no longer on me. Um, I, I grew up in, in Baptist circles, and a lot of the, the language they used was, Jesus Christ is giving you this free gift. He's giving you salvation, and you don't have to do anything at all to, to get this salvation. And that's not, not untrue at all. And, and it is this amazing gift. But I think that's only actually half of the conversation that needs to be had when we're sharing the gospel with people. And um, so we, we, we do that. And then we kind of, you might call it maturing your faith or you're a little bit further down the track. And there comes times where it gets harder. And you have to sit down and you reassess how committed you are to this journey you're going on. Because you, you no, nothing changes. None of the truths have changed. You still know that you love Jesus. You still know that this is a good path for you being on and to follow Jesus is the right thing. But you get to points where you go, actually, you know what? This is really hard. And it would be so much easier if I hadn't done this. My financial situation might be better. I might have retained these relationships if I hadn't chosen to follow Jesus. And it's, yeah, so it's exactly like that. Give up? Uh, it's done. Yeah, it actually lasted longer than I thought you were going to. Thanks, man. You can take a seat. So as you can see, that's another, my, my illustration again, demonstrated perfectly was, it started off, again, being something really loved the word. He's like, no, this isn't heavy. I could carry this all day. This is no worries at all. But then it actually didn't take very long for that to get to feeling much, much heavier. So nothing had changed. I hadn't added any extra weight onto this. It hadn't become a bigger Bible. But it started to feel much, much heavier. And at one point here, it goes from holding it out like this to bringing it in like this. And you go, well, yeah, you could carry it much longer if you carried it like that. But that's not necessarily the way I asked him to carry it. Because that way, less people are going to see it. And it's 100% easier, but it's not what was asked of him. Yeah? And so that's what I was talking about earlier when I was talking about the word and including everything that God has asked of you. Yeah? Because you do these things as well and, and, and you get saved and you're in that. And one of the first things we do as new Christians is we go and go, God, what is my purpose in life? And God, God's so excited as well. He's like, yeah, this is awesome. You're with me now. I want you to do this, this, and this. And I want you to carry it like that. But then after a while, it starts to get heavier and heavier. And we pull it in a little bit closer and a little bit closer. And eventually, we're kind of like just hugging it like this because that's the way we can carry it. But it's not there for as many people to see. I just want to share some um, some examples now of... Of the uh, some some pretty famous Bible characters that also had these issues, and um, 
First Kings chapters 17 to 19. I'm just going to do like a, an overview. I've got a few of the key verses that are going to show up up there. Um, so, so in this time, it's, it's not ideal to be a prophet at this time. Um, so Ahab is the king at the moment, and uh, a lovely lady called Jezebel is going out and killing pretty much as many prophets as she can get her hands on. Um, and the kind of the, the the false god Baal has been brought into power, and all of his prophets are are everywhere. There, that's the um, the endorsed religion of the time. And so, as as we're going into this, Elijah is kind of nowhere to be found. He's not too keen on dying, so he's uh, wandered off. But Elijah predicts a, a drought which lasts three years. And then towards the end of that, after those three years have passed, God calls Elijah to go and show himself to Ahab. So this dude who, you know, most likely is going to kill him. Um, which he does. He does obediently. So good on him. And he ends up, again, I'm just going to like gloss over this bit, even though it's the most amazing story. So I encourage you guys to go back and actually read the whole thing for yourselves. Um, he ends up having this huge face-off with all the, the prophets of Baal. So there is 450 dudes versus this one prophet of God that's left. And um, and he pretty much orchestrates a contest. He says to the prophets of Baal, he's like, we're just going to test God. So you guys prepare a bull and put it on your altar, and then you guys... Do whatever you need to do. Call on your God to come down, and but don't put a flame to that. You're not going to burn the, your offering. God's going to do that. If he's, if he's God, he'll do that, right? He's, he's powerful enough to do that, and I will do the same thing. And whoever's offering gets burned up, he is God. That's a fair test, right? And they go, yeah, sweet, no worries. So the prophets of Baal do everything they have to do. They prepare the bull. They are dancing around like lunatics. It even says they start to like cut themselves and do all their, their ceremonies that are part of their religion. And at one point, Elijah gets a bit cocky and he starts to mock them a little bit. Of course, because he knows God and he knows that Baal's not real. Um, and nothing happens. And then it's Elijah's turn. And I think this is the first one I've got up here. Um, and it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant. So he's putting himself below God. And he's like, I'm, you know, this is it. I'm with you. And that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. And then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust. Oh, and that's the bit that I forgot. He's also dug like a little moat around it, filled that up with water, and the fire of God's just burnt that up as well, as though water was ever going to stop him. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is the God. 
the Lord, he is the God. So all in all, Elijah's seen some pretty amazing things. God has completely backed his act. You know, he's, again, he's committed himself to God. He's going on this journey, doing the things that God's asked him to do. And he's seeing all these like truly incredible things. And you're like, wow, Elijah's having such a great run. He could do this forever. So pretty much the very next thing that's in the Bible is this. So Ahab told Jezebel all that had happened and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid. He arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die, saying, It is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. What? Like, how many of you do that? You go, yeah, God, I'll, I'm, I'm totally with you. Let's do this thing. And even when God backs your act, the very next thing, like the tiniest thing can happen, and all of a sudden, like, there was 450 prophets of Baal that wanted to kill Elijah that day. And that was no problem. But the next day, this, this, this one lady sends a messenger, and all of a sudden he's like, you know what? This is too hard. I want to die now. Preferably quickly, not by them. God, if you could just, real quick, that'd be nice. Thank you very much. It's too hard. Too hard. I'll give up. And he's not the only one. Let's talk about Moses a little bit. So, to begin with, Moses actually didn't really want to lead. Yeah, he used his, his stutter as an excuse and all that kind of thing. And he, he wanted nothing to do with it. But eventually... He's come to that same place where he's gone, you know what, God? I'm going to follow you through this. Let's do this. And from that, he's gone into a hostile nation where his people are enslaved. And he's seen just miracle after miracle after miracle where literally all he was doing was delivering mail while God was doing all the heavy lifting. And seen an entire nation set free. An entire nation set free. And as they're escaping, he sees more and more miracles. And then he gets into the desert. And things start to hit a few speed bumps. So the people start to grumble. And they do this whole, actually, you know what? We were better off in, in Egypt. But Moses is still there. He's still committed. So he has gotten to this point where it's pretty hard, but he's like, no, nah, all right, God, God, what do you want me to do? These people are not happy. They don't want to follow my leadership. What do you want me to do? And so that's, that's when God tells him to go strike the rock and water will come out. And he's like, all right, fine, I'll do that. And again, one more miracle. Again, God backs his act again. And water comes out. And then the people in the, the very next thing, the people are jerks again. So Moses is like, all right, I'm going to go up on this mountain. We're going to chat with God a bit, get ourselves some commandments. Comes back down, and that's when they make that false God for themselves. 
and it gets frustrated and he like slams these things down and breaks them up. And so it's getting harder again. And he's like, this is not what I wanted. It's getting hard, God. But he goes back up again, talks to God again, gets another set of the commandments, brings them back down and gives them to him and he keeps going. And then we get to this second time where he strikes this rock for water. And it says in Numbers, No, there was no water for the congregation, and they assembled themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. And the people quarreled with Moses and said, Would that we had perished when our brothers perished before the Lord. Why have you brought the assembly of the Lord into this wilderness that we should die here, both we and our cattle? Why have you made us come up from Egypt to bring us to this place of evil? It is no place for grain or figs or vines or pomegranates, and there is no water to drink. Then Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the entrance of the tent of meeting and fell on their faces, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the staff and assemble the congregation, you and Aaron, your brother, and tell the rock before their eyes to yield its water. Take note of that. It says, Take the staff. Assemble the congregation, you and Aaron, your brother, and tell the rock to yield its water. So you shall bring water out of the rock for them and give drink to the congregation and their cattle. And Moses took the staff from, the, from before the Lord as he commanded him. And Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock with his staff twice. And the water came out abundantly and the congregation drank, and the livestock. So it seems to have gone all right so far. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not believe in me to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the Lord, in the eyes of the people, sorry, of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land that I have given them. So that's another example of this thing where Moses has seen so much that God is doing that all he has to do is literally exactly what God's telling him. That's all he has to do. And God's doing all these amazing, amazing things. But at this one point, he gets to it where it's too hard, where the people are being too difficult. And out of his frustration, out of his tiredness, he stops listening to God. And instead of just telling this rock to yield its water, like the Lord had asked him to do, and it even says it here, um, to uphold me as holy. So that comes back to that thing, is holding it the way God had asked him to do. Then he actually didn't get to fulfill that whole purpose. He didn't get to lead the people of Israel into the promised land. After everything he had seen, he just got too tired. It was too hard. So if we're looking for someone who, who wouldn't be like that, we're looking for maybe a, a, another main character in the Bible, someone who perhaps we think could go the distance, someone who, who wouldn't get to this place of it's too hard. Who are we talking about? Jesus, the number one answer to all Bible questions. It's Jesus. So we're all thinking, yeah, you know, Jesus would be the guy. All right, let's read it. 
So even Jesus got to this point where he had to sit down and go, I really don't want to do this. And he was so committed. He loved these people so much. And he did all these incredible things. So we're talking that the, the point in Jesus' life that we're up to right now is where he has actually gone through everything. He's spent his time in the desert. He's, he's raised the dead. He's turned water into wine. He's walked on water. He's done all these incredible, amazing things. And he has walked it out so well. But we're right at the end of his time. And we're in Luke 22. And it says, He came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to be appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in, in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. So even Jesus has reached this point where he is in agony praying, it's too hard. I don't want to do this. Nothing has changed. You're still God and I'm still committed to, to your purpose. You know, nevertheless, not my will but yours be done. So nothing's changed in the facts in Jesus' mind. But he's gotten to this point in his walk where it is too hard. And he doesn't want to do it. So I think that's the, the hard truths. It's actually it is not easy to, to actually follow Christ. It's easy to accept salvation. It's easy to get that, that part. But it is not easy to actually walk it out and to, to do the things that we have to do. And I, th- I think that that's kind of where we go wrong sometimes when we're sharing the gospel. When we became Christians, that was, that I think we only got like half. Well, some of you might have gotten the, a better description, but a, a lot of us would have only got kind of like half of what it is to be a Christian. And so we're going with this expectation that it's just going to be party time the whole way through. The, you know, Jesus has set us free and it's all going to be fun and and we're going to be so blessed and... And we're going to have all this joy. It talks about all that. It talks about the fruits of the Spirit and all this kind of thing. Great things are going to happen. And none of that is wrong. Everything, all the good things it says that we're going to have in the Bible, we are going to have. And one of these, one of these kind of ones that we, we always lean on when things get hard and we start to question some of the things that that we've read in the Bible, we go, but didn't Jesus actually say that um, that my yoke is easy and my burden is light? And this is one that actually when I started to write this, I had to do some research because I myself was like, no, I'm pretty sure Jesus said that. So why is it that we're struggling so hard? I mean, because we know that the Bible is, is truth, 100% truth. So I actually had to go ask and, and find someone who knew more than me and did some research 
And um, the Greek word for, for easy in that verse, and I'm just almost definitely going to pronounce this wrong, and John will correct me, is, is it Christos? Close enough is good enough? <laughs> All right. Which actually means gentle, kind, or gracious. So it doesn't actually mean easy at all. This is one of those ones where there is like a, a more accurate translation out there from the Greek. So, so that verse that we often kind of lean on for, to, to kind of justify our, the, the, the way we're feeling about our walk with God is actually Jesus saying, the whole reason we're here, the, the, the purpose I'm giving you is love. So he doesn't say it's easy, but he says everything you're doing should be kind and gracious from this point out. That's what that that verse says, I guess, in its most simplest. And the, the, I guess the other way of looking at that when we're talking about that yoke as well is um, in Jewish culture, the the yoke represented like kind of like submission and obedience for the people whenever the teachers talked about putting on a yoke that's what that was as well so that's again is 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 walking out the things that that Christ has actually asked you to do so if we look a little bit more then let's go further and let's see what Jesus actually might say what it's like to actually follow him if we're looking for a more accurate representation it says in Luke 14, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. So that's less positive. Um, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? I'm going to read that last bit again. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? And that's what it's like to follow Jesus. That if you're going to do it, you actually need to be completely abandoned to it. That, and again, I think this is a message that, that everyone's heard at one point or another. And as we grow in our relationship with Christ, we, we, we learn to give him you know, more and more and more. And I don't think that, that Jesus expects us to, to, to literally, in the moment, just go... After this, I'm not going home. I'm just going to walk the streets until I die telling people about Jesus. Um, but I do think that this is a kind of... If, if we are going to succeed at this thing, if we are truly committed, if we sit down and actually reevaluate how committed we are to this end goal, which is the advancement of the kingdom in our world, for people to know who Jesus is, to, to kind of win this war, if you like, You've actually got to be giving up everything, giving up more and more and more. 
and like to follow Christ in his own in his own words literally will eventually cost us everything and understand as well that the cross well we're drawing kind of like similarities between this this yoke and the cross and the cross is not an instrument of carrying a burden like a yoke was yeah the cross is actually an instrument of death that thing is like final it is literally your whole life has to be given to this and he, like Jesus has never asked us to carry a burden like that. He's not saying, come bring your financial troubles with you, come and uh, bring your dads with you, any work troubles you've got as well, we'll throw them on and we'll just go. No, Jesus is actually like literally give up everything and follow me. And I think it's, this is where we actually find ourselves being fatigued in our walk with Christ when we get to these places where we're like actually it's too hard right now it's too hard right now I don't want to do this anymore God I still love you and I'm still committed and I still want to see all these amazing things that you're doing but it's too hard right now and and that's where we get to is where we're still still hanging on to, to something else that isn't following Christ because we still have in our minds this time when it was easier this time before we were set free where we didn't actually have all these troubles where the enemy wasn't coming against us so hard and we go wow actually I love Jesus and I love being with Jesus but it was easier back then and we can't do it like that So let's talk about this. Probably one of my favorite Bible characters, a dude named Peter. And let's see how he handles it. Um, so, so we all know Peter. Um, I, I personally like love Peter. I can relate to Peter and how he does things. So he was, of course, one of one of Jesus' twelve. Um, and in my mind, even though he cops a lot of bad flack, I think he was probably one of the most committed disciples. I think he was. Uh, we all know the story of Jesus walking on water. And Peter cops a lot of bad flag for this, for hopping out of the boat and then starting to sink almost immediately. But while he was doing that, the other 11 were doing two-tenths of not much. Nothing impressive, right? And Peter's heart, how motivated he was and how committed he was, was not Jesus saying... How many of you want to come out and join me on the water? Peter's heart was, Jesus, ask me to come out with you on the water before he even said anything. Ask me to come out with you on the water. And so his commitment is above and beyond everyone else's. And even though he didn't see it through, there's still a lot to be said for, 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 for who Peter is and his kind of commitment and enthusiasm for the things that Jesus was doing. Um, and later on, so we're at the the last supper now, Peter as well. He's the most kind of aggressively for Jesus. When Jesus is saying, you know, I'm going to die, one of you is going to betray me. And Peter's like, nah, not going to happen. And Jesus is like, 
Actually, you're going to deny me three times before this is over. And Peter's adamant. He's like, no, that's not going to happen. I'm going to go, if you're dying, I'm going to go die with you. I'm going to see this thing out. I'm going to follow you to the very end. But we all know how that kind of works out, is that Peter actually doesn't. He gets to this point as well. The same, the same way as Elijah, Moses, Jesus, where he gets to this point where he just goes, actually, you know what? It's too hard. I still love you, Jesus. I still love you and I still want to follow you and I still want to see and do all the great works that you're doing. But right now, it's too hard. I just can't. But, um, but that's not actually the end for Peter. I think like so far it's been a pretty heavy message. And the message is, it's too hard. No, but the message is not actually it's too hard. Because this isn't the end for Peter. Um, and in Matthew 16, it says, and this is, this is Jesus risen and, and talking to Peter. He says, and I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So that's the kind of the, the legacy of Peter and how he ends up is that there were 100% times when it was too hard for him. And even though he denied it, he was ashamed of it, he didn't want to admit it. There are times when, to be honest, it is hard and that is the truth. And if we can say that out loud, out loud I think we can tackle it a lot better where we go, actually, you know what, being a Christian isn't always fun. Not everybody likes us. And that's all right. I want to talk a little bit now about um, an apocryphal story. I had to find out what that word meant as well. Lots of research happened in this. Does anyone else not know what apocryphal means? Cool, so apocryphal. An apocryphal story is um, a story that is not in the Bible as such, but it, it does come from look like legitimate historical um, documents, like uh, other books that, that were written around the same time that, are, that they just never made the final, the final print. Um, and I want to talk a little bit about a story where the, the final quote in that is, although the, the key quote in that is quo vadis, which is Latin and it means where are you going? And um, so this is, again, it's, it's after, this is said after Peter has kind of recommitted himself to Jesus. Jesus is, uh, has risen. He's spoken to his disciples. He's ascended. He's gone. And Peter is carrying out the works of, the, the, the works of Christ in the earth. And he's in Rome at the moment, right? And he's in prison again. And the, the whole point of the story is that, um, is that he has, while he's in prison, led his prison guards to Jesus. And he's rubbed so many people the wrong way that, that they are plotting to kill him. And so his prison guards have kind of set him free. And his prison guards and all his friends and stuff gathered like, dude, you need to leave. They're going to kill you. And he didn't want to go, but eventually he's listened to all his friends and these prison guards and he's left. He's going, all right, fine, I'm out of here. And he leaves Rome. And on the way out of Rome, on the road at, he sees, like the, the actual terminology, it says he sees our Lord and asks him, 
Quovides, where are you going? To which Christ replies, I'm going to Rome to be crucified again. At which point Peter goes, then I'm going with you. And, and that is the point where Peter turns around, goes back into Rome, they get him and they kill him and they crucify him upside down. And that's kind of the, the way Peter finished his race. He was at this point where he denied Christ and, and it was all too hard for him and he had just given it up. And in the end, it actually did cost him his life. It cost him literally everything. But he, he got to the end, this point where he understood actually what it was to follow Christ. And he saw it through to the end. And he was carrying it the way that, that God had asked him to. And now he's credited with essentially being, you know, un, under Christ, the founder of the church, the place where it started. So the truth is, it's not always easy. The truth is, it's not always fun. And I, I feel like it's so important that we're, we're honest when we talk about that because we're never, ever going to deal with that. And I actually do want to encourage you guys then this morning to actually be in that place where, where you're sitting right now to go, how committed am I to this end goal? Because if you came to Christ under this message of free salvation and, and this, this being set free, which is so fantastic and joy-filling and so true, but you never heard the other half and you kind of hit these crises and you're like, why isn't this fun anymore? Why isn't this doing this? And if you're kind of expecting following Christ to just be like one party the whole time where Jesus is just doing miracles left, right and centre and it's easy... I'm afraid you're probably just going to end up hurt. You're probably going to end up with unmet expectations and you're going to end up disillusioned and you're going to end up angry at God because he's not done the things that you thought maybe he should. But if you come in with this, this desire and this expectation, this understanding that it's not always going to be easy, but if you want a life that actually has like real meaning, if you want to do something that's like legitimately important then this is this is the life for you and it might cost you everything um when i was a teenager we we heard the kind of this these phrase this phraseology all the time i went i went to a baptist church and we had a pretty big youth group and the 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 catchphrase of the moment was we want to be world changers we want to be world changers and then about a year later i never heard it again uh, the world is pretty much the same or worse. Um, but I think this is probably the, the direction we need to head in again. We actually need to go to this, this place of, again, sitting down, reassessing how committed am I to this walk? Like, am I actually going to see any difference made? Am I committed? Is, is it worth it for me to give up whatever it is, my comfortability, this relationship, my financial situation, so that I can see a difference, see something that actually matters. I mean, like, Friday night just gone, we were encountering some lovely young men and women 
doing burnouts while we're trying to pray and things like that. And to be honest, they're not friendly towards Christians. They don't know that God loves them. And eventually, sooner or later, one of us is going to have to do something that will make a difference in their life. Or they're never going to know. So I guess, yeah, my main point this morning is that let's not lie to ourselves. It's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to be fun. And it literally might cost us everything. We might actually have to die for this. But what I'm hoping to get out of this is that from here, you guys are better equipped, have a better understanding. You're not going to come up and be disappointed by unmet expectation. And you actually get to think big picture. You actually get to go, what is the, what, what, what is the angle? Where am I going to end up? Is anyone going to be better off because I was here on this earth? Or am I going to do it in a way that's going to be easy? So when actually it is getting harder, when things aren't working out, I just want to encourage you guys, actually, don't give up because it is 100% worth it. I guarantee it is 100% worth it. And it matters. It so matters what you guys are doing with your every day. And it so matters that you keep going, that your legacy ends up being the same as someone like Peter, where you might not always get it right. Sometimes it's going to be too hard. Sometimes you're not going to be able to carry it the way Jesus has asked you to. And he doesn't expect you to. There's grace for that, yeah? Jesus is always going to be like, let's give it another go. Let's try again. So I'm not saying that if you aren't 100% in right now that that's your, your walk with Jesus over, you better just sit on the bench and, and not join in from now on. My message is keep going. Keep trying. Keep handing more and more of it over to Jesus because it is really, really important. So let's, let's do a little bit of ministry time, eh? Um, who relates? Throw up your hand if they, you understand what I'm saying there. Right on. So... We're going to pray for everyone that had their hand up just then. And some of you might be regretting throwing your hand up right now. But I actually want you guys to then get out of your seats. I believe like really firmly in the power of like actual like physical movement. Get out of your seats right now. Come forward and we're going to start praying for you guys that, that, that God is going to have these conversations with you. And God is going to continue to back your act and he's going to continue to encourage you and continue to lift you up in those moments where it's too hard. And it's okay to be honest with him when it is too hard. And then we're just going to see where God wants to lead that. So everyone else that's, that's currently in your seats, um, it's up to you guys to come now forward and, and help. Come, come and pray. I need you guys. I don't have enough hands. Um, to, to, yeah, to come and help me pray. And just wherever the Lord leads you.